living it messy, yeah. right? To know your people well and to see all sides of their lives because you don't, you don't check your personal life when you walk yeah. into the door at work. Just mm -hmm. like when I walk home, I don't check my professional life. Like it blends together at times. And I would just rather be in the mess and take the risk knowing that I might have to have a conversation later and trust that my relationship is strong enough with that person that it'll be okay. And hard conversations usually are the first step into making something better. So that's how I have to look at it. Like this conversation might suck and it might be tough, but my expectations are that there is flourishing afterwards. Mm -hmm. And to start every one of those conversations with, let's talk about what good looks like. Okay. Hello, my name is Matt Bros of Lockton. In my role, I consult with employers all around the country related to their employee benefits strategy. We're in conversations all the time about how to attract the best talent and get the best out of their people. Work ethic, integrity, those are all traits of people that pursue excellence and it doesn't even stop there. From the boardroom to the storeroom, we're gonna find out what drives those people. Welcome to the excellence culture. This is gonna be an excellent adventure. Well, welcome to the excellence culture. Again, my name is Matt Brost with Lockton. And um, I am extremely excited about who I get to talk to today. A very good friend of mine, Lori Bunger Nolet, who is Vice President of Sales for Holt Caterpillar and um, a very close friend. Um, and so this should be, in my opinion, probably the easiest conversation that I have had so far. Um, and so, but welcome, welcome to the Excellence Thank you. Culture. Yeah. I am so happy that you asked me and it's it's weird because we're such close friends <laughs> yeah but then we're gonna have a very serious dialogue which also is not that abnormal for us yeah. but i it was just a real honor that you asked me yeah well i think i'm gonna learn a lot about you that i don't even know about you and i thought i knew a ton but i how often are you hanging out with friends where you ask them about their childhood and stuff and so rare it's yeah, rare yeah so yes. we're gonna we're gonna go there today okay so, um now, I would love just for the beginning, if you could just kind of introduce yourself, your role, um, company you work with, et cetera. So, well, you, you summed it up. So yeah. uh, my name is Lori. I've been at Holt Cat for 22 years tomorrow. So wow. you've caught me on my anniversary. Okay, I've, I've always referred to you as 20 plus. Yes, uh, I, every, every month counts. But, um, and I am vice president of sales there and Holt is based out of San Antonio, Texas. And I work in uh, one of our Irving offices and been there for a long time and it's been a great ride. Yeah, I love it. Well, if I know anything about you, I know that you are a person who wakes up in the morning and you want to be excellent at what you do. I mean, pretty simple. And that's what, that's what we're doing here is that I just have conversations with people that are like that. And we kind of try to get into who they are and why they are that way because I think we're seeing that that idea of excellence, which isn't anything fancy, but just people that want to wake up in the morning and be the best that they can be, it's becoming really rare. Mm -hmm. And um, and so for me and my role and what I do, you know, I'm meeting with employers all the time. We're trying to figure out solutions to kind of help their employees, you know, thrive. And so, um, but with you, I would I would love first to maybe just backtrack and and let's kind of talk about your upbringing a little bit. I'd love to hear about little Lori. Maybe probably stories that <laughs> I haven't I, okay. I haven't heard before. But tell me a little bit about the 
this background that you have of your upbringing, et cetera? It's, it's real simple. It's, I grew up in small town, Indiana. If you've watched the movie Hoosiers, that was filmed a few <laughs> towns over from where I lived. Um, what town's that called? What's it? Knightstown okay, is Knightstown. the name okay. of the town it was filmed. I've actually been to that gym. Okay. And just to be clear, it's the greatest sports movie of all time. It's Hoosiers. Uh, I'm in the middle of two boys, had a mom and dad that loved each other so well. Mm and grew up riding bikes. We are the quintessential 80s kids. And 70 kids in my high school class. It was just idyllic. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, what kind of values did you grow up with, you know, in your home? Uh, my parents were very present. And yeah. so uh, that, that was one, just being yeah. present, right? My mm -hmm. dad could not wait to come home to be with us. And I I almost think that that's rare a little bit as we're so focused on careers and moving up the ladder, uh, but we were always the most important thing to my dad. So being present, family, um, my dad worked harder than anybody I knew. So a good work ethic was instilled very, very early. Mm. Um, and just being good kids, right? Yeah. Be respectful, uh, be kind. It was just those basic things. and. I feel like uh, my parents did a pretty good job yeah. between me and my brothers. Yeah, I love that. Well, we'll fast forward a little bit, and um, you were a volleyball player, correct? A hundred years ago, I was. <laughs> I, I play volleyball in the driveway with your daughters on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And where did you play? Uh, I played at a small school in Ohio uh, called Cedarville University. Okay. And I was a setter there, and. Uh, I still think I can do it in my mind. Okay. Well, when I pepper with your daughters, I still feel like I could be in the Olympics. <laughs> they also help me with that. They're like, oh, wow, we, we peppered for such a long time with you. And I'm like, I'm good, so good. Uh, but yeah, I played volleyball for, for a lot of my life. Okay. Okay, so I would say now we're kind of, how did Lori bunger Nolette become Tractor Lori? Like, where all of a sudden does the the large equipment construction world sure. come into your life? Easy question. It was uh, the divine hand of God. That's, yeah. that's exactly how I ended up where I was. I needed a job out of college, and I knew somebody who knew somebody um, who actually became very close to me, but uh, I was just hired at Holt Cat um, because of that. And what brought me to Texas, though, uh, my senior year of of college, uh, my dad was laid off from his factory job in Indiana. And the same company that laid them off and it ended up hiring him back in Houston, Texas. And so my mom and dad, my mom had lived on the same block her whole life, by the way. Uh, mm. She's mid-40s. She on the, seems so simple like that. She is. Like, that does not surprise me. Three different houses on the same block. Yeah. And my dad's factory calls and said, hey, we'd like to hire you back, but it's it's at a location in Houston, Texas. And so they they packed up and they moved to Houston and lived in an apartment there. And he was there for a few months uh, when he developed a really bad cough that took him um, to the hospital and uh, we found out he had lymphoma. Hmm. And so when I graduated college, I wanted to get a job that brought me close to them 
And that's one reason why I ended up at Holt was because it was in San Antonio at the time and I could be near my parents as my dad was battling cancer. And so that's actually how I got to Holt. And truthfully, Holt did not really know what to do with me being a 22 year old female coming in with education, um, not wanting to be an admin. So I went through uh, an eight month type of training course and they threw me into sales. Wow. And it was sink or swim. And so they saw, they obviously saw like a grit that you had because I would assume you had to have a lot of grit at that stage in your life. <laughs> grit and desperation, which is never a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so if anyone that would meet me would probably say I see a certain degree of grit yeah. in her. Uh, but I, I didn't have a choice, right? I like I had to succeed in this role, and sales actually fit me really well, which mm. is also very divine in and of itself. So I feel like I landed in a really suitable role. Mm. All right, so you just all of a sudden you're in sales of large used commercial equipment, um, and not only that, young person selling. Were they million dollar tractors at that sure. point? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge sale that that you're trying to pull off on an everyday basis. But you're also, you know, um, doing it as a woman. Mm-hmm. Did you know, were there any other females, you know, doing the same thing at the time? Were you kind very of- Very few. Very okay. few. Uh, Holt actually already had a sales rep that uh, she was out of Austin. Um, her name's Bess Virgin, still at Holt, has a couple years ahead of me. But I didn't necessarily blaze that trail, right? Beth yeah. had already entered into sales, but certainly I was the first in used equipment. And still, and to this day, there aren't very many of us. And if anything, most of them are at Holt because I've hired a, a few since I've been in my current role. Um, but yeah, they, they brought me in and they wanted me to sell small tractors. They said, Lori, help us get rid of the small fleet. And, and so I think I sold two backhoes my second month. And then the third month, I sold a D8, which is uh, a large medium type tractor. And I realized that those sales took the same amount of work and one paid me a heck of a lot more money. Yeah. So I... I tried not to focus on the small equipment and I wanted to spend all my time on larger earth moving equipment. And that was a good choice. Hmm. That is cool. And I mean, just with that, um, I mean, what, what are kind of the, the challenges, the advantages, um, just the dynamics of being in a, a female in such a crazy male dominant world? Um, obviously, I would say that you probably stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> and you probably shine light in a pretty amazing way because you shine light in all of our lives. And so um, so can you just kind of dig into that a little bit, what that experience has been like? So great question. And I do get asked that question quite yeah. a bit. Or if I tell people what I do, they I would, never would have guessed that. Um, but I have found it to be extremely rewarding. And and for every person that would come in my office, some guy would say, I don't really feel like I know what you're doing. I want to talk to the real equipment person, right? I've had people say that to me a lot over the years. And I would kindly take them to the guy next door and introduce them and walk away. Because for every person mm. who didn't want to deal with me, there was somebody 
that would. Mm -hmm. And I felt like uh, being a woman almost helped me in a, in a lot of cases because I found the customer um, that appreciated my level of customer service, right? I don't have a mechanical background. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up on a tractor. So I had to make up for those gaps in skill set by being extra at everything mm -hmm. else, right? I was not going to have a customer ask me where his or her machine was. Why isn't it ready? I was always going to be proactive about that. Um, I was very quick in response time. Um, it was those little things with customer service that I felt made me good and people appreciated that about me. Yeah. It didn't matter if I was a man or a woman. Mm. They liked that trait. Yeah. And so they'd come back to me for repeat business. I love that. And I'm not surprised, knowing you, I'm not surprised that you would just send them to another person. And um, that's cool. All right. That's I don't cool. have time for that. Yeah, yep. I love it. Um, you know, as you were as you were just kind of telling that story a little bit, I just thought of a question I wanted to ask you. But in in your twenty two years at at Holt, you know, is there a is there a year that sticks out as the most challenging year from a work standpoint? Um, was it that first year? Was there maybe a milestone that you had that was a hard threshold? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Okay. Yes. So the years leading up to two thousand nine, I. I was leading our organization in sales or I was in the top five. And then 2009 happened and um, my international business shut down. A couple of my best customers went out of business and that drastically changed the way that I was operating. And it took a couple of years to adapt. I had to rebuild my book of business. Um, the international market was shut off for several years really after that because of the, um, the, the strength of our dollar. And it, it was a pivot in a really mm -hmm. big way. And I, and I remember 2009 and even the first couple of months of 2010 uh, being very challenging. Yeah. 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 So it seems like obviously we had an economic crisis 2007, 2008. So I would assume the construction industry has a tendency to delay and follow a little bit later. We or, actually lead it. Um, yeah. So I, Texas is what makes us a little immune yeah, to that. Right, yeah. Uh, but we, we definitely felt it here, just like everywhere did. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so tell me some other milestones. We had 2009, you met me in 2012, which is that a big milestone. That was the biggest milestone that there is. <laughs> Is meeting Matt Brest. And I and I re honestly I remember meeting you and I'm like, Tractor Lori, this is so cool. And she has an amazing husband named Dana that we're that I'm very close to. Um, but tell me a, a few other milestones that you've kind of had in your career, um, you know, before this point, before the point of you now being more of a leader. So, so there was probably a couple um, early on. I got a call transferred to me. It was a lead. It was a really random lead. And um, somebody wanted 30, 40 pieces of equipment to take to the Middle East. Mm. And I quoted it and I closed it. Mm. And I went to the port of Houston to meet the customer and they loaded 30 pieces of equipment into planes, by the way, and flew them oh over gosh. to the Middle East. Uh, so that was a really big package. That made me better mm -hmm. right off the bat. How long did that sale take? Two months. Okay. Two months. Yeah. Probably from start to finish. Yeah. 
months, two months. Our business moves very fast, yeah. which suits my style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say a couple years later, I think I led the organization in sales and I, some of that's luck. A lot of it's hard work and grit and doing all the right things, but the stars can't align. And I had a customer in Australia that years later told me that I reminded him of, of his kids and he would want somebody to give his kids a chance in their respective fields and that he liked my level of customer service. He liked how I conducted business and he gave me a shot and I proved myself on the first deal. And so all the rest of them just, just followed. His philosophy was, this is a business of relationships. And if you get the relationship part right, Mm -hmm. the tractors will follow. And that was so true for us. So that was a meaningful year. And then I would say when I knew that I wanted to be in leadership and to step away from sales because Mm -hmm. sales in my field feels very much like an individual LLC, Mm -hmm. that you are operating for yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you have to take machines from other people. It can be a little cutthroat, but in very ethical ways, um, I felt a call to step away from that, that lasted over a couple of years. And then this position was posted in my company and I knew it was coming and I had prepared for it over the, over the years. And going through that process, which probably lasted three or four months, that was, uh, that was pretty pivotal for me mm. too. Mm. Well, I, I, I think of, you know, just the times that, I, you've had some pretty big moments, I remember times where you've emceed events, right? Like Holt is having a big conference or somebody else, or I've been at, you know, galas where you've Mm -hmm. been the emcee of that gala, et cetera. And it seems like you're a person that doesn't, that's not really scared of a challenge at all. Um, If anything, it seems like finally I'm challenged. Now (laughs) now it's time for me to thrive. And I really want to hear maybe you know, what do you attribute to that? Like if, if you just sit down and think, gosh, like that's right. You know, why, why am I that way? Do you have anything from, you know, a mentor that you had growing up or just hard times in your life or anything like that, that you would say attributed to that, that, that trait of just not being scared of, of a challenge? I, I would challenge that question myself by, I don't know if it's necessarily a trait that you're not scared of a challenge. I think what we might be looking for here is our relationship with failure. Mm-hmm. And for me, and this probably is a little natural, but I think anyone can choose this. You have to have a very healthy relationship with failure mm-hmm. to be okay, yeah. professionally especially. Uh, that you can't be afraid to ask a question. You can't be afraid to step out on the court. Mm -hmm. Monday morning quarterbacks are the worst, right? You have to be willing to get in there and mess up because to me, the most beautiful things come from the mistakes. Uh, Strength comes from the mistakes. I've pitched um, several ideas to our uh, upper executive team. They've yet to bite on any of them, but I know that each one gets better. Mm-hmm. I know I become smarter with each round and that's just part of the process. And you've got to be okay with failing. And the whole thing about being challenged though, too, I, people with my style and probably your style too, mm-hmm. 
if you don't feel challenged, a, a coach told me once, he's like, you feel like you're in a beautiful prison. Mm. And I've absolutely felt that way, even in my current role at my current company where everything around you is beautiful. Like there's nothing wrong with what I do on a day-to-day basis. I feel pretty fulfilled. I enjoy the people I work with. It's, it's beautiful in a lot of ways, but yet it can feel like a prison if you're not challenged. You feel mm. trapped. You get bored, you feel complacent, and that's contrary to how I am wired. Mm. Uh, So the advice I got was to feed it, Mm. was to feed it. That relationship with failure comment was really, really good. Like, I've I've never really thought about that. I I probably have a healthy relationship with failure, too. Sure you do. But, but yeah, that is, that's such a, such, it's well said. For sure, and and I, I I'd like to dig in a little bit into now, you're leading people, right? And um, you used to be one of those people, <laughs> right? And so, um, I'd I'd like to hear from you, because I know you're a very intentional person. What are some of those intentional things that you do in your leadership role to help support those people that you're leading? Um, maybe it's specifically with that relationship with failure, but anything, any, any kind of tactics you have, anything unique that, you know, you do intentionally that people can learn from? Well, I think that's the word. You be intentional. That is how I support. And that is how I lead. It doesn't happen magically. I can't expect, uh, my number seven rep to become number five without any intentionality on my part. Mm -hmm. I can't expect my bottom tiered new people to grow into these veterans over time unless I'm intentional about supporting them. And I I think it's just being really intentional about setting aside time Mm -hmm. to get to know them, right? Everyone will say that, uh, you know, I gotta get to know them, you gotta build trust. And and those are very, very basic things but to do it genuinely, I actually feel like that's one of my stronger traits is that it's not manufactured. I'm just mm-hmm. naturally a relationship person. And I want to know the people that I'm working with on a day-to-day basis. These are the mm-hmm. people I'm with when I'm not with my family, when I'm not with my husband. Um, I want to know them and like yeah. them and be a part of their lives. In fact, when we were on break, uh, one of my managers, my assets managers, he is on a parental fatherly bonding leave because he and his wife had a baby last week. Mm. And uh, he called to tell me they were pregnant. Like he made me Zoom call that morning and I was still in my pajamas and I think I was wearing a hat and I'm like, I don't want to talk to you right now. And he said, I want to see your face. And so we had to have this Zoom call (laughs) for him to tell me that they were growing their family. And I was so excited and then i got the photos today of the baby and it was just one of those things i'm like so happy for them and how blessed am i that i work closely with someone to the point where they'll send me the newborn baby photo and that i find great joy in watching my people grow like that Mm. so knowing that you also have a team that performs well, mm-hmm. um, and and that's a big part of excellence. Um, and I do know you probably have that great organic intentionality like you're talking about, but there's probably times of accountability too, 
where you know you're you're having to be accountable mm -hmm. um, or have them be accountable to you and so you know where any kind of stories or um, things that you do to kind of maybe a little bit have that boundary to where I can still hold you accountable or do you just kind of go there anything to say I I would rather live in it messy yeah. right to know your people well and to see all sides of their lives because you don't you don't check your personal life when you walk yeah. into the door at work. Just mm -hmm. like when I walk home, I don't check my professional life. Like it blends together at times. And I would just rather be in the mess and take the risk knowing that I might have to have a conversation later and trust that my relationship is strong enough with that person that it'll be okay. And hard conversations usually are the first step into making something better. So that's how I have to look at it. Like this conversation might suck and it might be tough, but my expectations are that there is flourishing afterwards. Mm -hmm. And to start every one of those conversations with, let's talk about what good looks like. Yeah. That's what a coach told me once. What does good look like in this role? And do you think you're doing it? Do I think you're doing it? And it just be really clear in yeah. that. And that usually sets the stage for some promising things in my yeah. experience. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, let's, let's talk about Holt because just kind of witnessing it through your life, I've grown to have a lot of admiration for that organization, to be honest. Um, you know, they're a leader in the industry, um, and they bring up people like you and, and, um, and it does seem like they care a lot about their employees too. And so I'd like to hear maybe some of the things where, um, you know, you've experienced personally, um, just that support that Holt gives their employees and, and that nurturing. Sure, uh, Holt is a family-run business. I, I have been close with people that have worked at companies where they will tell you they felt like an employee number on a piece of paper. Yeah. And I've never felt that to be true at my company. You're a name, you're a person, you have a face and that you are known. And Holt, Lives and, die by, lives and dies by our five values of ethical success, excellence, dynamic, and commitment. And those are five things that we pursue on a day in and day out basis, right? Sometimes we fall short. Sometimes we get people off the bus that don't adhere to that. Mm -hmm. But by and large, this is really the foundation of our company. I think that's one thing that makes us really, really special mm. is that. And just an example, you know, COVID happens in 2020. And I think a lot of companies started pulling that employee level yeah. lever, right? That we gotta dump people. Yeah. We gotta we gotta make our payroll smaller and it just starts pulling that lever. And Holt Holt really didn't do that mm -hmm. because people are our most valuable resource and we can't say, hey, you're valuable, you're the best thing we have. And then at the side of a hard time, we pull the lever to get rid of them. And we didn't do that and we've stayed the course. And I think that's another thing that really makes us stand out. Yeah. What did your leadership hat look like during COVID? Well, I had had this job for a whole year. Yeah. Uh, so it was still getting to know my team, right? I'm still in the very beginning stages of fully understanding this role 
and I manage assets. That's a part, I don't just manage people, right? So I manage assets. And so yeah. you're looking at a slowdown of the economy and you're sitting on a hundred million dollars of bulldozers that nobody wants or nobody wants yeah. to rent. Um, and it was really balancing all of that, staying very present in a time where you couldn't be. Mm -hmm. I couldn't drive to see my people because there were stipulations to that. So we had Zoom happy hours, much like a lot of people did. Yeah. And it, it took a lot of work on the phone. You know, they were working out of their houses and a lot of them didn't have home offices, right? They're working out of their yeah. daughter's princess bedroom. And that's the background on our work call. And it was just okay. Yeah. And they flourished. They flourished. It changed the way that we led our team. We realized, okay, you've earned some flexibility here and we still wanna see you an awful lot because we like you, but maybe if you need to work at home this day or that day, you should go do that. And it really shifted what we were valuing as an organization as well, but mm. all for the better, in my opinion. Mm. All right, Lori, um, I would love to just kind of close this up by simply asking, you know, any last words, um, any kind of, meaningful tidbits or anything like that that you'd like to share with these people that are going to see this video? I would say two things come to mind, and it's only because it's what's in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of people just have this one thing that they come back to and they always say, but I, I feel like that shifts over time. There are a lot of great guiding principles, uh, but, but these are the two that are in front of me right now. And the, and the first, I would say, is that it's, it's okay to know your strengths and to just hone in on them and run with it, right? Uh, I, was, I love reading about King David and I was just studying him in the last month. And when everybody's heard the story, whether you believe it or not, of David and Goliath and what happened before he goes out and conquers the giant, is on three separate occasions, people told him not to go do it. Mm -hmm. You're too small, uh, go back home. Or if you're gonna do it, put on all this really heavy armory, armor because you're gonna, you're gonna get killed out there, right? Mm -hmm. And David dismisses it all. He doesn't care what people thinks. He stuck to what he knew, which was getting the stone out of the brook, right? He stuck to what he knew, slingshot, and he stepped out in faith. And I feel like that has changed me over the last mm. couple months to, to just be really confident and secure in what I know mm. and who I am and the gifts that I have, right? I know that one gift that I have, it's probably my best strength is that I'm going to make things better. Um, I'm going to elevate the meeting. I will elevate the team. And to just be secure in knowing that about ourselves, to not care what people think, to stick with what we know and to step out in faith. Mm. And that's been really important to me. And the second thing, it really stemmed from a conversation I have with a colleague about mattering to few versus mattering to many. And I think in the age of social media, many seems appealing, right? Mm. I want to matter to a lot of people. Mm. My company's big. I want to matter to a lot of them. And sometimes our day is made better or worse by the amount of likes or views or yeah. clicks. And my colleague was saying he, he walked out of his house and stood in the yard and looked up at the stars and just 
felt so tiny, right? There's mm. so many stars. And he's like, I don't know how I feel out here. And he glances inside and there is his wife and two kids like playing a game. And he's like, I wanna go in there because I wanna matter to few. To matter to few versus mattering to mm. many. So good. And that's been a refocus for me as an ambitious person, especially mm. that mattering to few will always bring more value yeah. than trying to matter to many. Yeah, that is so good. And then also just the make things better could be the definition of excellence. So- Yay, um, it ties so, in. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. But Lori, I just value our friendship so much. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for being on the excellence culture. Um, and I know that there's, there's gonna be people that love this. And so I um, really appreciate it. So thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I love you, buddy. Yeah.